Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is October 15th, 2013. This is podcast number 36, I believe. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here live every Tuesday and Thursday night from 9 until 10 p.m. with a sporadic weekend show. So check your um, check the webpage, wearenotcattle.net. For your airtimes on that, and as always, this is the People's Liberty Show, and we do have a lot to get into today, but the show today is basically going to be on solidarity. Now, I've got some audio clips that are processing currently, and they're having some technical issues, so hopefully they will be done processing before the show is over, so I can play some of these for you. Because it is very interesting what has been happening in Washington, D.C., in case you haven't been paying attention, that um, I guess at the last minute the Republicans made a last-ditch effort right before the government shut down and enacted some new rules. So hopefully this audio clip will get, um, will get uploaded here in a little while, and I have another clip from – the end of the World Bank head, uh, once again, Karen Huds, that um, we touched on last show. And she goes all the way, which is kind of interesting because a lot of us in the off-mainstream media do go all the way where we tie in basically the majority of the debt to the Vatican. And as weird as that sounds, everybody, through your trade treaties and through your agreements – through the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, that is where most of the money goes. And unfortunately, you will never hear Alex Jones go there because it's just not his bag. He wants to just keep it in the paradigm of the of the bankers and not really go towards the Vatican because that would basically say that the whole system is corrupt, which I think we can all now agree – as more and more comes out about how American finance works, how American uh, foreign policy works, how the world works, it is all corrupt. And yes, it is a bunch of powerful people at the top who control trillions and leverage out trillions and billions that really decide how the world runs. So in my appeal to the human psyche, in my appeal to... I guess, the cosmic consciousness, I do want to make a plea with everyone. And that is, for the next 58 minutes and 30 seconds, I am going to put my political ideology to the side. Yes, I am a, I guess, a theoretical anarchist, a practicing libertarian, but I don't really like labels. I believe in the human spirit, the human culture, and the human mind. If we all work together, that things will get better. Now, that sounds like 
communism to most people when you say that we're all going to work together and we're all going to share. But in the reality of the situation, if we use the big toe theory, which I do want to play that because that is something that we need to understand. Many organisms live on this planet that interact with one another and, and share symbiotic relationships with one another. And what is slowly happening to humanity through um, mass mind control and programming, that we're becoming introverted on purpose. And it's horrible. It is not how you're going to build a free society, number one. It's not how you're going to build a loving society, number two. It's not kind of how you're going to build a trustworthy society, number three. And it's not how we're going to progress as a species. So we have to take all the political ideologies off to the side. I have a friend of mine that's going to be calling in here in a little bit. He and I have different ideologies. And he will, you know, tout his ideologies on Facebook, and a lot of people will attack him for his ideological beliefs. But as I mentioned on the show before, infighting gets us nowhere. And in fact, that's what the establishment really does want. They really do want you to infight with one another, to play political games with one another, to go up and tear down barricades and put them up in front of the White House as a, as a show of defiance to the man. Because it makes you feel good. It, makes you, it gives you some talking pieces. It gives Republican candidates a, an opportunity to grandstand. And it does a lot for the psyche. But what it also does is it reinforces the click that you're in, that we're doing something, that we're doing something right. Now, let me ask the Tea Partiers out there, because I run into you guys on a day-to-day -day basis. If it was a bunch of communists doing the same thing, would you look at it the same way? A simple philosophical question, but I think at the end of the day that that would really, number one, if – if you thought about it in the true sense of, or excuse me, the Americanized sense of what communism is, you would look at that and say, well, why are the communists doing that? They're for huge government, and they, they just want everybody who doesn't believe like them to be killed. That is not true. But once again, that is your classical conditioning. That is what you've learned through your public schooling, which enables you to believe that definitions aren't really the definitions that they are. Does that make any sense to anybody? I sure hope it does. In essence, what we've lost here in America, we've lost our verbiage. We've lost our tense. We've lost a lot of things. And it's due to cultural evolution, number one. But it's also due to the simple fact that we never establish a baseline of communication with one another. As you guys have heard, Josh Wiley's been on the show many times, and I love interacting with Josh because he's one of those people like myself that really does believe in the human spirit, number one, and he also has an ideology of how the system works. So he can basically plug into the system, war game the system out, from a manipulative standpoint, but that also lets you understand how you're being manipulated. There's a term that's used in the liberty movement quite often. It's called cognitive dissonance. Well, the thing about cognitive dissonance is that everybody has it. Everybody has varying degrees of it, but everybody has it. 
when I first came about the information that the bankers really do run the world and they just basically sell us into debt slavery for the next generation and the generation behind that and the generation behind that. And then you have a couple of ruling oligarchs that have been in power for um, a couple of hundred years at least. We'll just leave it at something, a nice round number. A couple of hundred years that work behind the scenes, and you'll never really get to see who these people are. It is not the Warren Buffett. It is not Bernie Madoff. It is not these people. Those are the ones that you can see. So who is the ruling class, Jake? Well, that's really hard to determine because they have done a very good job of keeping themselves hidden. If you read Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley, he breaks it down very gently for you, and he also lets you know the fact of the matter is, is that there is a philosophical difference in the way that he saw the ruling class and the way that they see themselves. So I guess the question should be to humanity, how do you want to live? Do you want to live as a slave? To the fiat dollar, to the dollar that means nothing, to the to the dollar printed out of thin air, made up by bankers which loan the money to your government at interest, out of nothing, basically capturing you and your generation behind you and the generation behind that in perpetual debt that is carried out through the generations and eventually leading into complete despotism. Do you believe in that system of finance? Or do you believe that there are different ways to do things? If you've ever noticed how anytime something new that ever challenges the establishment or even challenges the Federal Reserve System, there is always a pushback. Take Bitcoin, for example. Bitcoin started out as eh, a very small amount of money. I think at one point Bitcoin was a dollar per Bitcoin. And I, um, I wish I had Josh on here because his story with Bitcoin is rather fascinating. But there was a time when one Bitcoin equaled a dollar, and now one Bitcoin, I checked it the other day, I, I still do have some, and I don't plan on spending them, because in a failsafe of an economic collapse, that might be a decent place to bail out. If you do remember, when they had the things going on in Cyprus, a lot of it, a lot of European company, or excuse me, a lot of European investors went to Bitcoin because they didn't want to have their money taken out of their bank accounts by the bankers um, for malpractice of the bankers. Typically the way it works if you study history. If the bankers F up, they take your money. Welcome to the world. So now we are in a position of questions. The system of government that we have here in the United States, even though set up to be a good system, did have some loopholes, and yes, the bankers came in and exploited the loopholes and now have conquered a country um, some 60-some-odd years after we fought to be independent from the bankers. Very confusing, but yet most Americans don't understand this fact. Most Americans also don't understand the fact that we actually filed for bankruptcy. Most Americans don't understand what your social security card is, your birth certificate. I can't get into all of those things because this show would take six hours in order to do it justice. But the fact of the matter is, is that you as the individual, you as the free human being on this planet, it is up to you to find out why these things exist and who makes the rules. Where does the money go? Who creates the money? How does money get exchanged? 
And when you follow the money, when you follow the creation of money, when you follow the leveraging of billions and trillions, you typically will always turn to a couple of different things called city-states. And if you don't know what city-states are, look them up. I'll give you three examples. Actually, I think there are – I can't remember if there are four or five. But there are some city-states that you really do need to know about. One would be the city-state of Washington, D.C. The other would be the city-state of London. And one of the other ones would be the city-state of the Vatican. So – Understand that these city-states do not abide by the rules and regulations that, that govern the nation that they reside in. They reside under a completely different set of laws that are off the books. So understand when people talk about the city-state of London, they are not talking about London the city. They are talking about the banking sector of the city of London. When they say the city of London, that is what they are referring to. Sorry for the long-winded explanation, everybody. But that's where we're at. So now we are looking at solidarity. And the reason I bring up solidarity is because the system has done an incredible job of playing this game of divide and conquer. Now understanding the human psyche and how we operate as individuals, that we will typically become tribal and we will always pair off into groups because that's in essence how we survived in the ancient times, we had to band together, otherwise we were going to get eaten by like mountain lions and saber-toothed tigers and stuff like that. So the system has basically rigged itself to break you up into little gangs, to break you up into little ideological sects so that you can discuss your ideology within the group, conform the group and then have political infights, and then they play off little subsections against one another. That's why listening to a Republican and a Democrat argue with one another, um, one that would, let's say, a Republican that watches Fox News and a quote-unquote liberal, which isn't really a liberal, but for the sake of, once again, the redefinition of the term liberal um, by modern society – but we'll use the modern definition of a liberal, which would mean a left-wing establishment person. Listening to the two of them argue is like watching a dog chase its tail. Neither one of them are going to have any philosophical difference. They are not going to have any breakthroughs. They are not going to even have a conversation because they're conditioned to not have conversations. They are not conditioned to – or the, excuse me. They are conditioned to have talking points, viewpoints, and ideology, but yet they are not conditioned to have a conversation and be willing to accept something that somebody from the other team is doing because my team is correct because that's the team that I belong to. If it makes any sense to anybody out there, imagine politics as a – well, this would probably make it very easy for the American culture – but imagine politics as your local football team. For me, it would be the Atlanta Falcons. So the Atlanta Falcons are just being in the southern state of Atlanta – or so, excuse me, the southern state of Georgia. I will go ahead and say that they're the Republicans. They are the – we'll even go as far as saying that they are the Tea Partiers. So we have our little Tea Party group, and then we're going to go up against – the big bad Washington Redskins. And yes, they have been getting a lot of publicity 
um, lately because of the name Redskins. And do I think that it's offensive? You know what? If it doesn't offend the people that it's supposed to offend, I find no problem with it. I see it as a name, a logo, a brand. That's all I see it as. But it's, if it's offensive, then it's offensive. So all that being aside, let's say the Washington Redskins are the Democrats. Now, if the if the Atlanta Falcons play the Washington Redskins, I will never root for the Redskins because my team is the Atlanta Falcons. Once again, the Tea Partiers, that's my team. If they do something good, I'm going to cheer them. If they do something bad, I'm usually going to – or if something gets done good to them – like let's say that Washington comes out and once again Washington being the Democrats, if the Democrats come out and they make a very good player, something that seems once again logical because each side does have logical tendencies, hence the libertarian version of of um, ideology comes into play, kind of the best of both worlds. You're not going to typically applaud the Redskins. You're typically going to boo your team. And that's what politics in America has turned into. It has turned into political football. I'm going to cheer for my team. Even if my team does dirty tricks to win, they're doing what it takes to be competitive or they're doing what it takes to win the battle. What if America would just understand that each side makes some pretty good points – and if we were a little bit more open-minded and had conversations rather than ideological you know, yelling matches with one another, we would probably not be in the situation that we're in. The situation that we're currently in is, is one of dire consequences. Is the debt ceiling limit, is that something that we really need to worry about? What is going on with the debt ceiling? Who knows what this all means? Well… And I really wish the audio file would process, but it doesn't look like it's going to. I might try to re-upload it here in a minute, but I am going to play the big toe clip here in a second. Because what's happening is the political structure of the American political system is now showing signs of corruption. And what I mean by that is that nothing is getting done in Washington, and when they talk about the debt ceiling, just remember that the debt is something that the American people, as much as the, as much as the media is going to tell you that it's something that you owe, the majority of it is not something that we owe. And the question is, who do we owe it to? It was actually really interesting when I was listening to local talk radio because I do like to listen to local talk radio to get an idea of what the establishment thinks and what the establishment lines are. And Herman Cain does an incredible job when it comes to reciting um, Tea Party talking points. He must have just a complete worksheet of them even though he was on the public side of the private Federal Reserve and did work for one of the biggest conglomerates on the planet, Pillsbury. So other than the fact that Herman Cain was a humongous insider, and he's probably done some great work, and, and I don't know if he understands the real true definition of what the, the Federal Reserve System is because he seems to like it quite a bit, he was asked this question today on the radio. Who do we owe the debt to? And will these entities keep buying our debt? His response, if you're a, once again, if you are a 
a person that has been enlightened to what Keynesian economics is, if you've been enlightened to what the Federal Reserve System is and the and the fiat money system and how it's used to bankrupt nations all over the world and to leverage out countries for their assets for basically nothing, for ones and zeros in a computer, you would have absolutely laughed because his response was this. Well, China will still buy it, and you'll still have, you'll still have India. They'll still own a little bit of our debt too. And then he said, and then you have some local investors. He was very careful because he didn't want to say that the Fed was monetizing $85 billion a month in debt and that they're going to keep doing that and they're going to keep printing money. He didn't say any of that because he's not allowed to. That's the crazy thing in our society. Never point to the bankers. Never point to the big to the big conglomerates that ship drugs all over Mexico and the United States and get caught laundering three hundred and seventy billion dollars worth of drug money and get a slap on the wrist. Never mind all of that. Never mind never mind HBC coming out in their huge scandal where they were actually selling arms to these countries in Africa which are on the terrorist list, and they're not allowed to do business with them through international banking regulations, but yet they did it anyway because they put an apostrophe in a different spot, and they put a dot in a different spot. Never mind that. Never mind the Trans-Pacific Partnership that's going on behind the scenes right now that has already had about 19 talks, I think, and is coming close to ratification. Remember, the senators and the congresspeople and the, and the media are not allowed to see the treaty. Number one, if you are allowed to see the treaty, you can't comment on it, take notes on it, talk about it, anything. Believe me, if they had the men in black zapper thing, that when you walked out of that meeting, they would hit you with it instantly. But global corporations are allowed to look at these things and look at these agreements, and they actually have access to them on their on their computers. They can log in and look at the stipulations and see what it's going to do. Because once again, if you believe that government is the be-all and end-all, if it is the top of the pyramid, you are sorely mistaken. We have national entities that move way outside of government that have basically maneuvered the entire world into a system that could collapse, and out of the collapse, they are going to bring in their system, the corporate system. And if anybody who's worked in corporate America knows just how much corporate America loves you with your two weeks of paid slave vacation and your five sick days, and heaven forbid you get some kind of disease where you're out for six weeks, then they're probably just going to terminate you because of lack of job performance or some BS Trump charge that they'll make up so they don't have to pay long-term disability. Believe me, I understand. I was in corporate America for quite some time. So, in order to promote solidarity, I want to play this next clip, and it's by a retired NASA – I think he's a physicist. And it's called The Theory of Everything. And I want you all to pay attention to what he says, because the theory of everything is very important when it comes to understanding how the world really works and how the world should work. And after this clip, it's about two and a half minutes, I will open the phones up for your questions, comments, and anything that you want to talk about. 
And unfortunately for this show, everybody, it is the People's Liberty Show, but we're going to leave the political ideology aside and just talk about how we can bring people together because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take the Tea Partiers who are very staunch in their belief to reach out across the aisle and try to have a conversation with somebody. You can't yell at somebody with a sign and expect for them to understand your philosophical meaning. You have to approach people. You have to engage people. You have to question. You have to get them to question. Because once you begin to question anything… As soon as you begin that process of questioning, questioning your own existence, questioning your beliefs, you know, I was watching this thing that Josh recommended, and I highly recommend everybody else watch it as well. I will actually put it on the We Are Not Cattle website, and I'll make a different subtitle under um, the video post. And I'll just start calling it Educational Material. And each week I'll try to post four or five videos that you can send to your friends or you can watch yourself to really educate yourself and not in a way that's going to make you go out and bombard people with information or go out and getting shouting matches with somebody else. Because typically what happens when you become aware of the information that I talk about on the podcast, you'll go through a couple of different steps and it's almost like it's almost like the the process of grieving because you will have denial, um, anger, acceptance. I can't remember them all. I'll pull them up here in a second. But that's what you will really go through. And you have to be very careful on how you approach people with information because if the people aren't ready to accept the information or at least question what they've been given, you might as well move on to somebody else because – it's not going to work. The frontal assault doesn't work. Imagine somebody's psyche is like the Death Star, and to use a cheesy Star Wars reference, but I'm a Star Wars nerd, so here we go. The original Death Star. You cannot approach it. You cannot take a full-on attack, especially – let's even use the one from – let's use the one from Return of the Jedi. So we'll go with an even advanced version, and we'll we'll just basically make – the the satellite system that was the reflector shield on um, on the little the little moon indoor. Good gosh, listen how big of a nerd I am. But stay with me, people. We'll get there eventually. We'll use that as the political brainwashing or the television set that people have been watching. Now the television set projects onto their psyche and basically encodes it into a shield that you really cannot get through. Depending on how many ground troops you have on indoor and how fast you can shut the shield down will determine how much engagement you can have with the person that you're trying to, I guess, not awaken, but at least engage in dialogue with. And then once you have that, you have to maneuver through the passes and maneuver through the crevices in order to find that one target area that you can get them to question. And once you get them to question one thing, they will start questioning other things, and then they will start coming to you, and you can feed them. Don't feed them your ideology because that's not what it's about. Don't feed them something that, that you've learned. Point them in a direction. Let them learn for themselves. 
Because everybody's going to have a different perspective on this stuff, and that's what we need. We don't need a million Alex Joneses running around. We need a million individuals running around. We don't need a million Jake Counts's running around or Matthew Dalton's or Robert Wassman's or, or any other philosophical anarchist running around. We need individuals with their own beliefs and their own systems so that we can have a discussion and we can create a better planet. So with that being said, here is the theory of everything, and then I will open the phones up. If you want to go ahead and call in, 602-753-1916, and don't act like you're not out there, people. I see the stats. I know that you're listening live. Do me a favor. Call in. Join the conversation. This is where it begins. This is where the next step in human evolution begins is with the conversation. I don't care what kind of talking points or ideology you have. Leave that at the door, and let's start talking about ways that we can bring us together so that we can all enlighten ourselves and then take humanity to the next level with a conscious understanding of why we're here and what humanity's destiny really is. The point of a theory of everything is if you understand the game you're in, you can be a better player. If you understand uh, your purpose here and you know what the point of your existence is and the whys and hows, then you can interact more productively. So it, it, uh, the point of writing a big toe, and I call it a big toe, not just a toe. Starting with Einstein, um, he started uh, producing a toe. It was called unified field theory, but that was a kind of an objective toe to unify all the objective science, which in that case meant relativity and quantum mechanics, under one overarching understanding. But a big toe has to do that, has to accomplish that. And on top of that, it also has to include consciousness and the subjective world as well as the objective world. So a big toe has to explain everything. So metaphysics, physics, um, you know, Paranormal and normal, all of these become one one thing under one overarching scientific theory. So the big toe is really is really science. Uh-huh. So consciousness is the source. Mm-hmm. What is consciousness? It seems to me like there are fifty three million two hundred and seventy three versions of consciousness. What is consciousness? I thought it was fifty three million two hundred and seventy four. You must <laughs> you must have left one out. Um, consciousness this will this will sound kinda funny to people who've who are studying consciousness, but consciousness is information. It's an information field. Okay, it's data. Consciousness is the only thing that is fundamental. Everything else is derived from consciousness, including this physical reality. Us, our bodies, our brains, whatever. We are all derived from consciousness. So consciousness is the fundamental reality. All else stems from that. Consciousness is information. It's a data field, if you will. It's evolving, so it's self-aware, and it can change itself. It can evolve. It can grow. And we are part of this larger consciousness system, as I call it, that is evolving. And we're, we are part of that strategy for evolution. 
So as it evolves, we're, we're part of that evolution. So <clears throat> I do have another clip that I do want to play for you guys, and it's a little bit longer. But once again, revolving around the consciousness and solidarity, that's where we really need to go. We need to somehow grab everybody's attention and get them together and get them to notice that what we're trying to do here at We Are Not Cattle is I'm not trying to really promote an ideology. I'm talking about my beliefs and and I'll interact with other people on you know philosophical anarchism and things like that. But what I really want, what I truly want at my core is to unite humanity. And even if it's for a little bit, even if we unite for an hour and you share this information with somebody and, and they get it just for a little bit, I understand that breaking with your conditioning is very difficult. Shoot, it's hard for me to break with my conditioning, and I've been aware of this um, cosmic disruption for about seven years now. And I call it the cosmic disruption because it is. It is disruptive technology to human evolution. Wow, that was really succinct, and I didn't even have any notes written down about that. That's pretty – I'm pretty proud of myself. Well, enough of me tooting my own horn. Here is the rest of the clip that you really need to to try to get and understand because this will show you the world that we live in isn't the ideal world. There is a different world that we can create. But we all have to, number one, we have to get past the borders of not caring about other human beings. That has to be number one. And I understand that there are some people in society that the only way that they can feel solidarity and the only way that they can feel entropy or, excuse me, empathy is by taking entheogens. One of the main reasons that entheogens are extreme or are on the top of the list of of controlled substances. One of the reasons that marijuana is at the top of the list of controlled substances. Not because it's anything that's terribly bad for you. If you've noticed, there's a lot of medical reasons to use cannabis or ingest cannabis. It helps with a lot of different things. Any kind of tension or any kind of spasticity, it really does help. But the system has told you that drugs are bad. It's kind of like when I interviewed Ben Swan. They want to get down to the lowest common denominator. Drugs, bad. So as long as they can condition that into your brain, because they do have you in the government brainwashing facility from the time that you're about six years old to the time that you're 18, those are, once again, as Josh and I have discussed, the most critical times of learning in your life. If you can be conditioned in those periods, then by the time you get older – you don't have to be reconditioned and re-stimulated with your response that drugs equal bad. It's just something that you accept as part of your physical reality. Where if you would just question why these drugs are illegal, it would become blaringly obvious that people benefited monetarily from making these drugs illegal. And society has been stunted almost exponentially. Because of the outlawing of some of these non-state-sponsored drugs. Do I advocate that people go out there and get high and get behind a car? Absolutely not. But one thing that I will say, and even though I didn't – this is not a political philosophy. This should just be a life philosophy. 
I have as, just as much right to be on this planet as anybody else does. You were born of a mother and father the same way that I was. Just because your mother and father have more ones and zeros in their bank account or because they know different humans on this planet doesn't mean that you get to tell me what I can and can't do with what I am put on this planet to do, and that's to discover. We are not put on this planet to be slaves. We are put on this planet for a purpose, and I believe that purpose is discovery. Whether it's self-discovery, collective discovery, whatever. You're put here to learn, to evolve, to grow. Not to be stunted by television and media and a bunch of kleptocrats that want to social engineer a, pick a population to have a bunch of slaves and then kill off a bunch of them because they're useless, useless eaters. Once again, not me saying that. That's them saying that. And once Josh and I nail down the time frame where we're going to begin our new world order for dummies, we will let you know. And I know that the new world order sounds like a hocus pocus, you know, something that's created out of some fiction novel. But that's what they call it. So that's what we're going to call it. And if you want to call it something else, we'll call it the technocracy. We'll call it the extinction of the human species or the extinction of what they believe to be the lesser species. So that being said, here is – this is called entropy by the same doctor, um, the NASA physicist. So enjoy, and uh, I'm going to try to get my friend Young Glenn to call in here for the last 15 minutes so he and I can have a conversation uh, about solidarity and, and really bring it full circle for everyone. So enjoy, everybody. So you can have a bunch of uh, children's blocks and you just throw them on the floor. There's no information there. But you can take those blocks and you can spell words or you can make patterns. It doesn't have to be a word. It could be a pattern as far as information goes. Information, let's say if I took those children's blocks and I put one up, one, one up, one down, one up, one down, what would the next one be? It would be up. How do you know that? The pattern gives you information, you see. So now you can have these patterns of ones and zeros, and the system is evolving, trying to lower its entropy, create information and content with what it has. That's how things evolve. They become more complex. They become more survivable, survivable if you will, and, and death to the system is randomness, no information, you see. <clears throat> so it evolves toward lower entropy states. Now, in order to evolve, uh, you say, more efficiently, it can't just interact with itself because that's very limiting. So what does it do? It does just like those one-celled creatures did, which were doing the same thing, you know, where we evolved from. Look at physical evolution. Same thing. You start with this one thing, right? And this one thing was able to discern whether it was you know, better off or not better off, or more survivable or not, by trying things and then seeing what happened. So it needed more complexity because more complexity is more adaptable, it's more survivable, it's lower energy. More complexity is more order, more information. So the cells divided and you had multi-celled creatures. And then those divided and you had specialization among the cells, you know, the part for digestion, the part for moving, the part for defense, and so on. And then the control part. So you had all these parts. So this is more and more complication, more and more information, 
lower and lower entropy in the system. Well, this larger conscious system did something like that too. So it found that it could increase its choices, the novelty uh, in its environment. It could increase its complexity and lower its entropy by breaking into pieces. And these pieces then could interact with each other. Now suddenly you have multiple pieces interacting with each other with free will. Now you have all sorts of possibilities that didn't exist before. You see, and each piece then is growing and evolving as well as the whole evolves and grows as the pieces evolve and grow. Well, we represent some of these pieces. You see, we're pieces of the larger consciousness system. And our job here is to evolve, to grow up, to uh, lower our entropy, increase the content, the quality of our consciousness. Now, what does that connect to? Decreasing the entropy of consciousness means growing toward love. Love and lower entropy are, you know, are reflections of each other. It's the same thing. Now, let me give you a little example of why that makes sense. Just, uh, you have these pieces, right, that kind of the multi-celled version of consciousness. So it's about interaction. It's about um, relationship amongst the pieces. Okay. Let's say that we just do a thought experiment here, and we'll take maybe uh, 10,000 beings, and we'll say all 10,000 of them um, are loving, caring, nurturing, uh, it's about other, not about themselves. And we'll take those 10,000 beings, we're going to put them in a, in a little world with a certain amount of resources, and we just let them go and see what happens. Okay. Now, these are the kind of people that if somebody's barn burns down, all the neighbors come in and help them build it back up. Not for a fee, but they just do that because they're helpful. They care about other, you see. Um, and now we'll have another group of people, and this group of people are just the opposite. They're based not on love but on fear, fear being the opposite of love. So they're based on fear, and it's all about them. What's in it for me? Uh, if they're going to do something, it's going to be because they get something for doing that something. And we're going to take 10,000 of them and put them in the same world with the same resources and let them go and see what happens. Okay? Now, how are they going to end up after, I don't know, 20 years? We're going to look at them and see how they're going to end up. Well, what would you expect? You would expect the group based on fear, okay, to basically they'll clump into power centers because it depends on some of them will get a little more power than others, and then they will control others, and then others will come for that protection that power gives and so on. They'll group into power centers. And before long, you'll find that the very few power centers probably control 95% of all the resources and they're constantly fighting with each other, trying to get each other's stuff, right? Where have we heard that before? Yeah, that sounds kind of like where we live, doesn't it? <laughs> that sounds like where we live. Yeah, that sounds like where we live. Then what about the other group? The group that's caring and that uh, it's about other, well, they will have optimized themselves within the available resources and, you know, abilities they have. Everybody will be doing as well as everybody can do. Now, that doesn't mean that, that uh, you know, everybody does the same job. It just means if somebody thinks up something very clever and inventive, it gets shared with everyone. Exactly. So you still have people, you know, who are doing the labor and people who are in control, just like you have in a body. You know, there's parts of you do different things. But it's all very efficient and effective and caring, and everybody cares about everybody else 
doing as much as they can do with whatever it is they've got. So it optimizes itself. Now, which one is high entropy and which one is low entropy? High entropy is organized, constructive, pulling together, right? That's, that's low entropy, organized. Okay? What's high entropy? High entropy is disorganization. Um, you know, somebody builds something up. Somebody else comes and tears it down because they don't like it that somebody has something more than they have, and they'd like to get it. So if you get something, then you have to protect it. You know, you have to keep it. So it's basically struggle. Now, where, do we, where does that society go? Well, it's constantly being torn down because those power centers, they're constantly being ripped apart, and new power centers coming up. You constantly have the coup d'etat, you know, that changes the management of the power system. There's a constant tearing up and down, and you have a very suboptimal arrangement. So all of that's just an example of how we relate love with lower entropy. And once again, everybody, not to be, you know, hippie on everybody, but that's really what it's about. That's really what this entire podcast was about tonight. It's about solidarity. Just because that human being across the counter from you or um, across the way from you believe something different than what you believe doesn't mean that you guys can't have a conversation about your belief systems and have a constructive conversation. Just challenge them. Why do you believe that? What what books have you read to make you think that way? And most of the time, they're going to sit there and, and they're going to get defensive. If they get defensive, then they're not an enlightened person and they don't want to defend their beliefs and they don't want to have a conversation with you about why it is the way it is because you're challenging the way that they view the world. And one of the things that is a great human flaw, and I've seen this in people much more in people, I guess the less educated you are, the more you want to feel like you know everything because you have some sort of inferiority complex or some sort of, you believe that there's this huge knowledge gap that you're missing. And that is anytime you ask people questions, because remember, my job is to go out and survey people for government research, not for, excuse me, for government research, but for legislative research. So I send all these opinions to Congress and let them decide, you know, what's best for the constituents, really trying to do what this, you know, elected republic was supposed to be about. And that's about the people telling the politicians what the people want. But I find it overwhelmingly, I guess, common that people will say that they know what something means, even if they don't, just to come off as being smart. Whereas the people that tell me no, they don't know what that means, typically are the more successful business owners. And I'm not putting a stereotype on it, that's just my observation. Once again, your reality is just what you've read, what you've learned, and the observations that you've experienced. You know, just because people tell you things doesn't necessarily mean that that applies to your reality. Hence, when you go and wave a sign at somebody and and try to yell at them and tell them that something's wrong and you need to be a tea partier or you need to join my football team, people will typically switch off. But you have to get people to question, and then once you get them to question or once you get them to admit to themselves that they don't really know everything, then the learning process can begin. 
And the one thing that I've found is that the older I get, the more that I realize that the people who stop learning are the people that I really don't want to associate with. And it's not that I don't find you know don't find you as a a good person to go out and have a laugh with, or a person to have a good time with, but I'm really trying to make an imprint, a butterfly wing, a ripple effect, if you will, on my experience, on how on how I perceive things, and if if it links up with how you perceive things, then great. If it doesn't, then let's talk. Let's talk about your experiences. Let's talk about what you've seen, what you've done, how it's impacted your life. Having a conversation with somebody, you can learn more in a 15 or 20-minute conversation with a veteran than you could by reading any war novel. I truly believe that because typically novels and historical documentaries are written from a certain perspective and they like to be factually accurate. And they can be as accurate as the person that was, you know, coming back from the battle can portray that battle to them. But unless you talk to the person themselves and ask them about their experiences and what they've seen and what they've felt, you're really not getting the full effect. You're not getting the human element of it. And that's what makes it so real, to me at least. When I talk to veterans and, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of them out in the field um you know after i've done my surveys and stuff like that and i'll just talk to them and a lot of them are amazed that i know who craft international is that i know who um blackwater was that i know who these large basically war machines are and i'm just a human but i've had enough conversations and interactions with people that have been over in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and in Kuwait and all these other places where they've been deployed and have seen the discrepancy of how the world really works and had hours and hours of conversations with them about their 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 experiences overseas and what they've seen and how it's going on. It's really, really been incredible. And it looks like that um, I just did pick up my friend here. So um let me pull up um let me pull him up. Caller, you are on the air. Welcome. How's it going? Yo, is this is this young Glenn? Yeah, this is Glenn. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh Glenn, thanks for joining the show, everybody. This is uh young Glenn from the People's Vanguard, also a a solo rap artist himself. But um he and I were talking earlier this week about solidarity, and um, right. Luna basically made my entire show about this and, and trying to get people to to engage in conversation. I mean, we all have our own ideology, and we have our own way that we think the world should be, but but what do you think we should, we should really focus on to bring, because it is, there's two really galvanized portions of society, so how do you yeah. believe we, we bring these people together, and where, where's the starting point for all of us? Well, you know, a lot of people with political beliefs are very, I'd say, dogmatic in their beliefs. You know, mm-hmm. they're unwilling to, you know, see other people's point of view. So I what agree. What we gotta do is find some common ground. Okay. That's why we're trying to preach a lot of times, like, we got to find some type of common ground. Because it's really important because if you think about it, 
it's not going to be no socialist revolution that's going to change America or change the world. It's not going to be some, you know, a libertarian revolution that's going to change the world. It's going to have to be, to me, it's going to have to be like a mixture. It's going to have to be like a, a united front. It's going to have to be mm-hmm. solidarity amongst, you know, people with different beliefs, united yeah. for the common goal, you know. And and, and what I talked to... about, the, the common goal, for, from my perspective, and see if you agree with this, would be first elevating human consciousness and the fact that right. getting everybody to to agree that the system that we live under, and I think that you and I would agree with this because we've had conversations in the past, and the system of the Federal Reserve should be the first thing on everybody's list because that's what's holding back the entire the entire revolution of the human species. Would you agree? Well, yeah. Well. The banks in general, you know, all the all the central banks, you know, the whole economic system. We can we cannot reform it. You know, we have to we have to all understand that. You know, we we've been trying to reform it for years. It's, it hasn't been mm-hmm. working. So, mm-hmm. if you're a revolutionary like myself, you know, mm-hmm. that's what that's we don't we don't really, you know, think about issues like we like we we think we care about issues, think about issues, but on our mm-hmm. the main prime objective is the overthrow and the change of the system completely because mm-hmm. unless we change it like we, we it will not be reformed it has to be changed from the people rising up and you know getting together and collaborating together and people with different beliefs just saying you know the hell with you know what I'm saying the hell with our differences we got to fight for the common goal you know Mm-hmm. And and you know you and I have talked in the past, and you know you and I have different ideological sentiments, but I think that you and I share a, a common bond when it comes to when it comes to the love of humanity and the love of people. And what we see now is the way that the system works. It's not in favor of the people. It's it's in favor of el- elitist groups. Um, I mean, do you care to comment on that? Is that how you feel somewhat? Yeah, it's very, it's very parasitic. Like the, our our social relation to the system is a very parasitic relationship. And mm-hmm. yeah, the the inner circle, the elites, you can call them the Illuminati, the however you want to describe them. But the ruling class, that, that's a more simple term for most people. You know, the ruling class of of the world. You know, mm-hmm. we have to, we have to, we have to join together. And we have to really put the pressure on them. We got to heighten the contradictions, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. we have to get together and heighten the contradictions of society so the people consciousness can raise. Because it's going to take the conscious people to raise up the unconscious people. Because yeah. you know, a lot a lot of people do just start reading and waking up and slowly on themselves. But you know, we have to really be the ones that push that further. You know. Mhm. And and I think that it comes from. You know things that exactly what you and I talk about, and that's and that's reaching out to people on the other end of the political spectrum, and and just having a conversation with them, and just yeah. understand that since we're two individuals on two separate paths in life, you know your journey in life is totally different than mine, but understand that we're all on the same ride, and that we have to start from somewhere. You know, I hate to quote "Rage Against the Machine." It has to start somewhere. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? But that's really the truth. I mean, if we see what happens to a parasitic system, and how it and how it manipulates the people, and 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 basically enslaves the population without them even knowing it, 
And once yep. you're aware of the fraud, then then you get angry, but then you get angry and you and you try to find a group to latch on to instead of finding your own path. I mean, would you would you agree right. that sometimes it's it's easy to get sucked up into I I I um threw the tea party under the bus earlier because that's just the the easiest way to go from a from a mainline Republican let's always go to war to oh I'm with the Tea Party now. I'm different. No, you're really yeah, not. Yeah. You're you're the same. You're just a lighter version of you know, uh you're just a lighter version of tyranny. Would you agree? Well yeah, I mean yeah, especially in the mainstream sense, you know, the the yes. left right mainstream that's, paradigm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's just yeah, they're complete BS, you know. But I do stress that we do need to organize, you know. And a lot of people mm-hmm. fear that maybe the FBI, CIA get into the groups or something, but to me it's worth the risk because they are organized. The people who oppress us is organized. And we're yeah. unorganized people trying to fight against the empire, and that's not going to work. It's going to have to be some organization. You know, Geo, it's like what Geo Ward Word, Word Griffin said, and Josh said this on the last podcast. If the elite were, you know, if the elite weren't so organized and hadn't had this all planned out, they would have slipped up and slipped up and thrown us a bone somewhere. But they haven't. I mean, we're on the road to enslavement, and whether you believe that. That um, that global communism will will actually bring us out of these grabs, or if you believe I I'm similar into into your rationale in the way that I think that it's going to be a completely new system that the world has never seen before. But like you said right. before, when you first came on, you have to have the consciousness awakened first. You have to have. Yeah. The realization that the the dreamlike state that you've been suspended into for the majority of your life is not reality, and now we have to find a way to shift the paradigm into a reality that's going to be a better world not only for the bankers and for the upper crust, but a better world for everyone. And to me, you know, I really think the system has a lot to do with shaping the consciousness of the, of the ordinary people, you know, because that's why they're in the sheep mind state that they're in because, of course, we live in a parasitic system that just constantly feeds people mindless propaganda 24-7 through TVs, radio, entertainment, movies, anything you think of, mm-hmm. magazines, everything. Mm-hmm. So we have to really put pressure on the system and not just, you know, the people who want to reform the system, I mean, I honestly, I, I mean, I, if you, if that's the type of person that you are, you want to, you know what I'm saying, run for mayor and stuff like that, I mean, that's cool, but the the people are going to be the one that determine the, the destiny of the world, you know? Absolutely. And ourselves. Well, so I, I, I really think that think, that's, well, I think that that's what the the resounding, the resounding statement of this show should be, and that is, is right. that, we get to choose the destiny, the people, the humans, the inhabitants of this world. The parasitic right. elite don't get to choose it, but they've already exactly. basically proclaimed that they're choosing it for us. Now, we do have a minute left in the show, and we are going to go into extra time. It will be live, so those of you that are live, continue to listen in. We'll probably do about five more minutes here uh, since I got Glenn on a little bit late. But um, anything that you would like to impart to the people, um, and also do plug your stuff, man, because I really do enjoy your music and and how you 
You br- well, you just break it down for people, and even though you know, I'm, I'm I don't listen to a ton of rap. I actually don't listen to a lot of music anymore. I just listen to audio books. I've turned into a huge nerd, but um. You know, your music really does touch on the things that awaken people and people that have, you know, have some clarity will really get there's there's nice trigger points. You do a great job with bullet pointing for people things to be looking out for, uh, uh, groups to be on on the lookout for, GMOs, all these different right. things. You yeah. guys do a really great job of that, you especially. So uh, the next couple of minutes, I'm going to give you the floor for you know two minutes, and then we'll wrap up the show. And I do appreciate you coming on short notice. But what do you want to impart to the people before you go? No, we just have to unite as one. We got to stop spreading propaganda about each other and start you know really listening and researching for ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Not following some party line, some mainstream. Oh, my group says this. Is, this is what you believe, so I'm just not going to even research for myself. I'm just going to follow mm-hmm. what they say. That's what, mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's what's going on right now. So we have to organize. That's I stress that we have to organize because they are organized against us. We must be organized against them, and that's that's the most important message I can think of at the moment. Now, and um, and when you say you know, because I, I wanted this show to be non-political ideology, and I, I've done a great job until now. But um, like I said, you and I are on. I guess opposite ends of the spectrum, but I did touch on yeah. your political ideology earlier and how that the perception of the ideology is conform or die, but that's not the, really the conception at all, is it? Well, what do you mean by conform or die? Like as in you must follow this way or you're going to get thrown in the gulag or something? Yeah, exactly. Or you, or, or okay. you know, yeah, exactly. Or the, the violent revolutionary theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, see, you have some people who are actually like that. But sure. it's, it's a lot of us who are not like that. You know, I'm not a Marxist-Leninist because, you know, a lot of Marxist-Leninists cling, cling to that type of sort of thinking. Sure. I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them. But mm-hmm. I'm more of a, um, I consider myself an African internationalist. I'm okay. a part of the Yehuvah movement, you know, the African <laughs> People's Socialist Party. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they we really have a different look towards that, you know, we're not going to, we're not trying to force anything, like if the people don't want it, you know, we're not trying to force it, but at the same time, our history as being, you know what I'm saying, Africans, mm-hmm. our, our history as Africans, you know, we had intercommunalism in Africa and the continent, and mm-hmm. we have a we have a real history of communism before it was even the ideology, before it was even the political theory of it, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we used to live like that in the yeah. Yeah. So really, you know, our well, our um, our basically our movement is about liberating, helping liberating African people, as in mm-hmm. you know one nation, one continent. And it's not mm-hmm. just stuck at just African people, but oppressed people around the world. You know, everybody who's being oppressed by the elites. Yeah. You know, we stress that we've been colonized. Our people have been scattered across the globe with no with no touch with their real history. So mm-hmm. we really try to, you know, be the type of organization that, you know, preaches the truth, you know, and help people unite and realize who they are and their role in the world. Yeah, and it's you know, if you read, if you read not like the revisionist history or not like the history in the American textbooks, obviously. 
But if you really do study history, and that's one of the things that I messaged you on Facebook about because you were reading a book, and 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 the and the reason I got turned on to that topic, and it was the you know, it was the Christopher Columbus topic, and the reason I got turned on to that was well, I mean, it's really truly fascinating if you look at the the Americanized culture of Christopher Columbus. He was this great explorer, and and he did all these great things, but. The very first time that I heard something different was when I interacted with my friend who was um, from Jamaica. And he goes – and it was Christopher Columbus Day, and and he told me – he goes, I can't believe you guys celebrate this as a holiday. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And he goes – don't listen to what your little textbooks told you in elementary school. You need to go read about what he was really about. And oh, so I yeah. did. I did I did research on him and, and found out that almost everything that my friend said was true, and it was very disheartening. And I guess that was kind of a mini awakening for me, but I didn't really pursue it. But um, I know exactly oh, yeah, what yeah. you mean about the colonization, about how you guys, through the East India Company and, and all these other you yeah. know, slave traders all over the world that basically you know, took you guys from Africa and, and repositioned you over throughout the world. And that's one of the things we talked about on our last show was the, the Anglo Empire, the European Empire, and how they wanted to propagate it throughout the world. And that was one of the mechanisms they used was by using – slave trade and slave labor to basically propagate the Anglo now it's the Anglo-American empire so um there's a lot of us that understand the the um the nuances that go along with it man and um I just appreciate you coming on and and being forthright with me and 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 being up front with the audience here and because we yeah. all do need to reach yeah. out across the aisle because the time is now the time as you see in Washington, and I, <clears throat> I want to get your final thoughts here before you go and also plug your stuff. But as we see Washington really leave what <clears throat> you know what the what the system was set up to do, and they have just completely abandoned the system. And like you said, that you guys had communism before before it was even an ideology over in Africa. Well. America got most of our philosophical beliefs from the Native Americans and how they, how they, you know, interacted with one another and the laws and regulations that they had between tribes right. and, and between each other. Absolutely. So, so it's you know we're all connected, everybody, and we have to get exactly. over this you know ideological hump. And I think that once we get there, and I think that you know Glenn and I are kind of on the same page here. That it's going to be some kind of a mixture. You know, we can't keep dumping plastic into the ocean and creating a you know a wasteland the size of Texas, and then say that that's not an environmental problem, and then talk about CO2 being an issue. Yep. We need to unite yep. on the real environmental issues, the real sociological issues, like he was talking about, where it's enslavement for people all over the world. Look at China; that is enslavement. If you have to go and work exactly. at Foxconn. That's enslavement. Everybody understand that it's not a communist country. I swear to God, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you have that the floor, man. Not. Before we before we sign off, and if you want to address that fact and then uh, plug your stuff, we'll end the podcast with that. That seems like a good place to end it. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, when, when people say communist country. They really mean like a socialist country that thrives mm-hmm. for communism because communism is a stateless society, so really it wouldn't be no government. That's what a lot yeah, of people don't know about it. 
But um, yeah, well, we're not gonna get into all that. You know, we got short time. But <laughs> yeah, this is this is yeah, we are in overtime. But you know, that should be yeah. that that would actually be a good time for you to come on um sometime in the future. And and break down right. the the differences between you know the differences between you know communism and socialism because I know it's something that you've studied uh, in depth. I can exactly. you know I could show you the differences between anarchism, minarchism, and um and, and free market and libertarianism. That's something that yeah, I've studied. So like I said, we you know anarchism we, is a theory that goes both ways. You know because you guys you got the socialists as anarchists who don't believe yep. in the Marxist Leninist theory of a socialist mm-hmm. state. Yep. Mm-hmm. Centralized power, you know, and then you got the, the anarcho-capitalists who believe in free market capitalism without no government at all, you know. That would that would be more so, along my lines, but you know, once again, bleeding yeah. political ideology aside, why don't you plug your stuff, man, and then we'll um we'll let the people go and enjoy the rest of their evenings after we've gone through um gone through our um trying to unite the world in in about an hour and you know thirty minutes. So go ahead, buddy. <laughs> Right on. Well, um, my name is Glenn. I dropped the young off my name. I used to go by Young Glenn. I'm a revolutionary political artist. And, you know, you can reach me at, um, I'm trying to remember the link, facebook.com slash resistance. That's what the letter Y, Glenn is resistance. And you can check out my songs on YouTube. You can... Google Revolutionary Ways, Chapter 1, Chapter 2, download them for free on a slew of mixtape sites. I can't even remember all the names of them. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> I'm working on some new music right now, too, so that should be coming out, like, in a month or so. But, yeah, EP with me, like, probably 12, 13 tracks of fresh new songs, revolutionary music to uplift the people, get them motivated, inspire them. man. So. Yep. Well, I, I I do appreciate your perspective, man, and I always appreciate you coming on because you and I are in the same fight. We're trying to trying to pull our, you know, once again our our little tribes, but that's just the way it is, guys. We like I said at the beginning of the show, we we do form little tribes. So we got to pull our all of yep. our tribes together because the elite got their, you know, they got their stuff together. So in order yeah, for us really to neat. to to push back at the system. We have to take our little pockets of resistance, put them together, and then maybe we'll have a fighting chance. So that's it for the show. Thank you to Young Glenn for, or excuse me, to Glenn for joining us. And um, you know, look forward to having you back on the podcast, man. Thanks so much for right coming on. in. Hey, it's one, it's one thing I want to plug in real quick. Yeah, go ahead, man. If I could. All right. Well, um, the reason. The reason that we're considered revolutionaries is because that we do not believe in the system. We believe in power to the people. So mm-hmm. everybody at the end of this needs to realize that only the power in the people's hands will eliminate, you know, the power that the elite have. That's the Amen. only way. The people have to have the power. And once again, everybody, revolution is is not a destination. It is a it is the a process. journey. That's right. Exactly. It is a journey. So I think we'll end it on that, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, get a friend, get informed, get involved. And from now from now on, I'm going to have to say this. Reach across the aisle, enlighten somebody you know, and have a conversation. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again to Glenn for coming on with his perspective. And um, let's let's do this. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on, boys. Take it easy. Oh, you deserve it, your freedom. Feeling that